Well, good morning. I'd love for you to go ahead and open up your Bible to uh, Genesis chapter 1. I'll make it really simple for you today. Um, it's probably not quite the first page in your Bible, but it's pretty close to the front. So if you just find the book of Genesis, go to uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 26 and 27. Uh, today's the day that churches um, all around the United States, all around the world, celebrate called some, something called Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And we join them, not because, not because this is a gimmick for us, but because as Christians, one of the things that we believe is that all life has value, from cradle to grave, from womb to tomb, uh, whatever fun way you want to say that. We believe that all life has value and is worthy of dignity and respect. And this idea actually comes from the Bible in those texts. So, so let's listen to um, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 26 and 27 this morning. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. To be like us, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. If you don't hear anything else today, what I want you to hear, what I want you to know is that you have immeasurable worth and value because you have been made in God's image. I want you to know that you have been made intentionally, on purpose, and with a purpose in mind. And we read in Genesis 1 what that is, to reign and to rule over God's creation, to participate with him, to serve as a steward, to serve as a protector of what God has made. The Apostle Paul would later write that the purpose of mankind is to be an ambassador of Christ, to be a representative of Christ to other people. That's why we're here. That's why he made us in his image, to be an image bearer. And because of that, because God created you and he created me, you have value. Yesterday I was looking all over my house for something, for something that I had made to use as an illustration for this. And other than making my wife happy all day long, I literally couldn't think of any other thing besides what we had made together, which was our children. So we've made something, and obviously we are very protective of those things that we have made. But I also found a few other things that people had made for me, and I want to I share them with you. Um, these are some... These are some paintings that I found in our basement. These are things that my grandfather painted. Um, this is a picture of, of 6042 uh, Phillips Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, I would love for you to, if you want to, come up and take a look um, later. My grandfather actually cut out um, a picture of my sister and I and put us sitting on this, sitting on this wall. Um, this is probably, um, see, my sister was born in 77, uh, or no, 74, excuse me. My sister was born in 1974, so this is probably about um, 43 years old, um, this picture that I have. This is a picture of uh, Lowell Elementary School. The little yellow car here, which I know you can't see, is a Ford Pinto, and my grandfather would pick me up every day after school. And he would hide, like, a bag of M&Ms um, or a banana in his car. And the first thing I would do when I would get out to the, to the Ford Pinto was scour the car trying to, find, um, trying to find these things. So these are two pictures that my grandfather painted. Um, he also painted, uh, like, some, like, some seascapes and some um, boats and stuff like that. Um, I really, really like this one a lot. Um, because he made these things, it's something I'm, I'm protective of. And it's not, just because, it's not just because they remind me of him, um, but because when we protect things that other people have made, uh, we're actually showing them honor and respect. 
in those things. Um, one of the other things that I found um, was this. Uh, Christine Robinson made this for Ann and I after we, um, after we moved here. And we hang it up in our, in our family room. It just has our, has our last name on it. And, and we do that because we want to show her honor and respect. I think sometimes it can be easy for us to, to get, get trapped in this mindset and in this, and in this idea that we only value things that we have made. But that's not what God intends um, for us. As Christians, we're not just called to honor things we've made, but things that other people have made. And specifically, we are called to honor other people because they have been made in God's own image. They have value. They have worth. They have dignity. And as I was thinking about today's message, knowing that we're going to talk about Embrace Grace and some of the other things that are going on with that ministry this morning, I started to wonder to myself, do I, do I always treat people who have been made in God's image that way? Do I treat all people, regardless of their background, regardless of their life situation, with the dignity, value, and worth as though they made in God's image? Or do I only treat people with value, dignity, and worth because they think like me, or look like me, or act like me, or believe the things that I believe? And then, of course, that led me to think, um, well, how did Jesus treat people? Who were the kinds of people that Jesus hung out with? And how did he treat people with value and dignity and worth? What was his example? Who were the people that he spent his time with? And so what I did was I went through the Gospel of Matthew, and I just made a list of all of the different people that Jesus interacted with in the gospel according to Matthew. And I'm just going to share this list with you this morning of all of the different people that Jesus interacted with in the gospel of Matthew. And as I do, as I share this list, what I would love for you to do is is to think about these people. I want you to think about their, their social status. I want you to think about their socioeconomic condition. I want, you to, I want you to think about what's going on in their lives, and then I want you to compare and contrast in your mind the people that you typically hang out with with the kinds of people that Jesus typically hung out with. I want you to self-evaluate, and actually more than that, I want you to ask Jesus to speak to you through the people that he spent his time with. Let's do that together. Let's pray before I read this list. God, you have made us in your image. You've given us a purpose. You've given us intentionality. There are no accidental people. And sometimes it feels like we are accidental. Sometimes it feels like we, we don't know what our purpose is. We don't know why we're here. When we face hardships and realities and situations and circumstances, you don't make accidental people. And not only that, you, you don't put people into our lives accidentally. We don't have accidental interactions with other people. So, so right now, as we just spend a little bit of time in, in your word, and hear the kind of people that your son Jesus hung out with and spent time with and gave value and dignity and worth. God, just, just break our hearts. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I'm just going to read this list. There are some of the people that Jesus interacted with. I, I wrote out a little bit more in detail. And other people, I just made a list. If you look inside your bulletin insert this week... For sermon notes, what you'll, what you'll find is for small groups, what we encourage people to do this week before you go to your small group is to go through Matthew or to go through Mark, Luke, or John and make a similar list. Just make a list of the people and the kinds of people that Jesus interacted with and just be ready to talk about that. So I'm just going to share with you my list of Matthew and I'm going to have to take off my glasses. 
because I'm in that weird place with my glasses where they're a couple years old. So like somewhere between here and here is what I can actually read. Um, and if you're older like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, um, so I'm just going to read this list. And I just I want you to listen and interact and hear the people that God, that Jesus interacted with. Common fishermen, the sick and diseased and the demon-possessed, the marginalized and the outcasts, the servant of his oppressors, a friend's mother-in-law, two demon-possessed men, people who rejected him, a paralyzed man, a tax collector and all of his disreputable sinner friends by spending time in their homes, the daughter of a synagogue leader, the blind and the demon-possessed, the crowds of people who were lost and aimless wanderers, He hung out with his disciples by feeding them through bending the rules on the Sabbath. He hung out with a man with a deformed hand, and he broke religious convention and rules when he did it. He met with a demon-possessed man and a man who was blind. Met with religious leaders by telling them of their sinfulness. He hung out with um, a Gentile woman, an outcast who is considered a dog by her culture the lame and the blind, those not able to speak, 4,000 hungry people, a demon-possessed boy, a little child. He tells us how to settle our differences personally and with every person to build effort, to build unity. He dignifies and honors wives whose husbands treat them like property. He dignifies parents of children who were made to feel worthless by the disciples when they brought their kids to him. See, Jesus has time for people. Jesus loved people who got a late start in life. Jesus loved a mother who was concerned for the future well-being of her sons. Jesus loved two more blind men. Jesus was concerned about the owner of a donkey that would be used by him to ride on as he enters into Jerusalem. Jesus was concerned about the poor who were being taken advantage of by the religious leaders. Jesus loved the religious leaders by speaking truth to their power. Jesus loved people who were trying to trap and take advantage of him. Jesus spent time with the disciples who were so focused on worldly things and value like the beauty of the temple that they completely missed him in their presence. Jesus ate in the home of an ex-leper and then allowed a woman to pour perfume over his feet and then confronted the self-righteousness of his disciples in the midst of that. Jesus ate a meal with a person who was going to betray him. Jesus spent time with Peter who was going to deny him. Jesus showed honor, worth, and dignity to the disciples who could not remain awake when he longed for their company the most. Jesus valued us when he chose God's will over his own will. Jesus used the word friend to describe Judas without a hint of sarcasm or snarkiness. Jesus responded, did not respond with violence to those who were mocking him, spitting on him, and beating him. Jesus showed honor, dignity, and worth to Pilate by saying no more or less than than actually needed to be said. Jesus showed the Roman guards dignity, honor, and respect by not fighting them because they were probably just doing their job. Jesus showed honor, worth, and respect to the two others who were being crucified. He showed honor, love, and respect to the guards and the religious leaders while they were crucifying him. Jesus showed honor, worth, worthiness, and respect to women. And then lastly, at the end of Matthew in chapter 28, Jesus showed that his disciples had worth, value, and dignity by giving them a mission, by giving them a purpose 
and telling them that he would always be with them. One of the things as I went through the Gospel of Matthew that I was constantly struck with was the reality that Jesus showed dignity, honor, and respect to the most marginalized in his culture and society, to the weakest people in his culture. That's who Jesus showed the most honor and respect to. Women and children, the sick and the lame, the demon-possessed, the needy. And when I'm honest, I will admit that, that I frequently flee from those kinds of people. I frequently don't want to have anything to do with those kinds of people. And I say that to my shame because that is not Christ-like. And I wonder what your tendency is. When you encounter people who have been made in God's image, how do you typically respond? So I need to break this cycle in myself. And Jesus is the answer to that. Jesus is the key to breaking this cycle and pursuing the kinds of people that Jesus would have us pursue. And if that is your tendency, to flee from the marginalized, to flee from oppressed, to flee from the kind of people that Jesus loved, then I would say that Jesus is your answer as well. We want to break this cycle as a church. We want to pursue the things that Jesus did. And one of the ways that we do that is through a ministry called Embrace Grace. This is a specific ministry to people who are in the midst of unplanned pregnancy as single moms. And I know, I realize that people in the midst of unplanned pregnancy, like, I think our culture has made this, I've been thinking about if I was going to say this or not. So this is Danger Will Robinson's own. Our culture has less stigmatized moms in the midst of unplanned pregnancy than previously. 30 or 40 years ago, it was, a, it was really stigmatized, and our culture has, has less stigmatized that over time. And none of that means that it's still not a significant issue in the lives of, of people that find themselves in this situation. And as a church, we have the opportunity to, to come alongside people in some of their most difficult times of life and do what Jesus did. Show them dignity and value and worth. Because even when people make decisions that we wouldn't make, they're, they're made in the image of God. Because we've all made decisions that other people wish we didn't make. And we are made in God's image. So what I want to do, what we're going to do today during the rest of our message time is we're going to hear from different people who have been involved and engaged in Embrace Grace. And this is a celebration because, because our church body, you, our church body, has come alongside this ministry in some really powerful ways. And and as a church, I can tell you, we, we are changing the culture of Scott's Bluff. This is a way that we are going to change the culture of Scott's Bluff, is by ministering to and serving and loving people that, that many disregard and write off and push away. So my hope today is that you, is that you feel encouraged, and you feel challenged to really dig into the things that God is doing through, through this ministry that you are all a part of. So uh, Becky's going to come up front, and she's going to start it off. Good morning. Uh, my name is Becky Jones, and I help lead Embrace Grace, along with my fabulous team, Minus One, who's out of town. Um, and so the vision of Embrace Grace is really just to have every woman or girl 
with an unplanned pregnancy um, be connected to a church. And so, you know, the, so then the church can do what we do best and support them with uh, spiritual, emotional, and physical support. Um, and I, I really think that this ministry, what we learned and maybe we didn't know when we kicked off, was Jesus doesn't send us to marginalize vulnerable populations so that we can feel good about ourselves. Like, that's a nice side effect, but that's not the motive. Um, I really believe he sends us to women facing unplanned pregnancy and other people in vulnerable places in their life, number one, because he just loves them so passionately, and number two, because he just sees them differently than we do. Um, You know, we look at a situation and have our judgments, and thank goodness our life isn't like that or like that anymore. Um, And Jesus just sees something so different. He sees it as often, I think, a place where he can demonstrate his power. And so, you know, you think about people on the pages of the Bible, like Mary Magdalene. She was possessed by demons. Jesus saw her in that vulnerable place, and her name actually means Tower of Strength. And so when he saw her in her demon possession, what he actually saw was the woman who would eventually be the only person that would stick by his side during crucifixion, death, and burial, the person who would be there for his mother, and the person who eventually, she has a nickname of the apostle to the apostles. So I would even argue that, like, I have faith today because he saw her in her vulnerable place. Um, So I just want, you know, as we have some of my team members come up and share Um, we were, a lot of us were in those vulnerable places, but I want you to see the power of God in their lives and how he has transformed them, Um, and it is just really fun to lead with them. So the first person that I want to introduce is, her name is Kaya West. She actually has been coming to Embrace Grace, and you've probably seen her and her son Quentin at Westway occasionally. She's an active member at Gearing Zion, but when she heard about Embrace Grace, she dogged me. And she would not, um, she was so passionate about this. And so we're so excited to have her. She's a teacher at Mitchell Public Schools. She's a published author, and I just adore her. So, Kaya, come on up. Good morning. So uh, we were praying before church started today, and Kim looked at me, and she said, oh, this is going to be so easy for you. You're a teacher. You got this. (laughs) This is way different than what I do. (laughs) Maybe if I had an Expo marker and a whiteboard, I might feel a little bit more comfortable. (laughs) But anyway, um, so I'm Kaya West, and uh, like she said, some of you have probably seen Quentin and I wandering around your hallways and... Uh, in the gym, he loves the tricycles and uh, shooting basketballs in your gym. So um, I want to thank you for welcoming us into your building and into this community and allowing me to participate in your Embrace Grace program. Um, this fall semester allowed me to meet some really amazing godly women, and they have become dear friends to me and really special to my heart. And God has blessed me with their example and their influence in my life and the sense of community that they've given me. And really, they have filled a void in my heart that I didn't even know was there. Um, And so I am so grateful for that and their love and their support that they've provided me since I've become part of this group So, um, as you've already heard, Embrace Grace is intended to provide support and love and grace to unexpected moms. And so, today I want to share a little bit about how I ended up as a member of this group. Um, But reading this this morning, I realized that um, many of the things that I'm about to say they don't really apply to me anymore. And all of that is a testament to God's transformational love that I know that he has for me and for all of us. Because um, while I'm going to share my testimony and all of the things that have happened to me emotionally and mentally and, and all of that, 
I have new eyes now, and I have a new heart now, and um, that's what today is all about, is sharing how he used my son and my experience to completely transform me. So um, with that, I wanted to base my testimony off of a piece of scripture. So I'm going to be working out of John 8, 2 through 11. So if you want to follow along with me, you're more than welcome. Um, And it's also interesting because the scripture that I chose is completely in line with um, what the sermon was about today. The Holy Spirit's kind of crazy like that. (laughs) So um, Jesus encountered the adulterous woman during his life, and I'm going to share that story with you today. Early in the morning, he came back into the temple court, and all of the people were coming to him. He sat down and began teaching them. Now the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. They made her stand in the center of the court, and they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such women to death. So what do you say to do with her? What is your sentence? They said this to test him, hoping that they would have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and began writing on the ground with his finger. However, when they persisted in questioning him, he straightened up and said, He who is without any sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again, and started writing on the ground. They listened to his reply, and they began to go out one by one, starting with the oldest ones, until he was left alone with the woman standing there before him in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She answered, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. The truth is, I am her. Over three years ago, I was caught in a sin. Admittedly, it was not the first time I had sinned in this particular way. And I had sinned countless times before in so many different ways. But this time was different. This time I couldn't hide my sin or pretend that it hadn't happened. My growing belly was all anyone needed to prove my guilt. And so if I continue with the parallels to John's story, I was brought forward for judgment. Brought before my friends and my family and my coworkers, my community, my church, my God, and the worst judge of them all, me. And while others' judgments remained relatively quiet, my self-condemnation was pummeling me with some really significant stones. Stones like guilt and anger and shame and frustration and disappointment. The truth is, I didn't need anyone else to condemn me for what I had done because I was doing enough of it on my own. And then we take a closer look at what Jesus said to the teachers of the law. Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And I realized that that relates to me too. That I had sinned so many times before. And I have so many times since, and I cannot throw stones at anybody. And that includes me. And so Jesus provides us in this story a lesson about judging other people and also judging ourselves. And as if that isn't a great enough moral, we get to the really good part of the story. And so Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And he straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Neither do I condemn you. 
Jesus was the only person who could condemn the woman caught in adultery. And he was and still is the only person who can condemn me. Yet he chooses not to. And it's taken me a really long time to accept the idea that if God can forgive me, then I should be able to forgive me too. And the truth is I struggle with it daily. There are many days still that I am the woman caught in adultery. That I recognize my sin and I'm not just feeling a healthy dose of conviction. (laughs) I'm feeling regret and self-condemnation and severe judgment. And those moments are really, really dark. But also in those dark moments, I think of Lamentations 3, where I have a God whose love never ceases, and his mercies are new for me every single morning. And I know full well that I don't deserve his grace, but he gives it anyway. And so... The story of the woman in adultery concludes with a challenge that Jesus poses to her. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, while I know living a life free of sin is impossible, I try and live my life as a better representation of what a follower of Jesus Christ looks like. Some days I fail miserably. But overall, I think that I'm a better version of myself now than I was before. Without a doubt, my son Quentin changed me. And I believe that God used my son to transform my heart and transform my spirit and bring me a little bit closer to the woman that God has in mind when he looks at me. Um, One of my favorite books is actually about this woman caught in adultery. It's called The Day I Met Jesus, The Revealing Diaries of Five Women from the Gospels. And I want to share a little quote from that text with you that leaves me with a beautiful, promising, and hopeful message, not only for me, but for all women. As we look at Jesus and how he interacted with women, we see him dignifying, validating, and championing them. Our Lord was the defender of women. He lifted the weight of her shame, writing a new destiny for her in the dirt. Jesus' death and resurrection have allowed all of us a chance to live out a new destiny. And I firmly believe that this church and groups like Embrace Grace are spreading the good news to everybody and serving as a beautiful example of Jesus' love, regardless of past decisions, current circumstances, and even our future mistakes. While Becky calls me a leader in this group, I know every Wednesday I came and I was fed spiritually. I had to face some issues that I thought I had already dealt with, and as a result, I think I improved as a person. I am excited to be a part of the work that Embrace Grace and Embrace Life is doing in the lives of women in this community because I know that I needed and still need that weekly spiritual reminder and dose of God's love. And I'm looking forward to how I will continue to grow as a mom and a woman of faith alongside all of the others that are going to join us on our journey too. So thank you for sharing my story, and Gabby's next. Good morning, Westway. I'm Gabby Barrett. I'm an Embrace Grace leader. Um, I got involved with Embrace Grace when Becky and I went to lunch about a year ago, and she just told me her heart and her desire and her passion to help moms facing unplanned pregnancy. A year ago, I was an unplanned or a single mom um, of Waylon. Um, I became a mom to Waylon when I was 17. Um, oh, I didn't think I would cry. <laughs> it's been seven years. Um, but I found out I was pregnant with Waylon, 
Uh, I was in a relationship that was abusive and probably would have gotten me killed or put in jail. Um, when I told my boyfriend at the time that I was pregnant, his response was to leave. Oh, I don't want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, 16 scared and pregnant. I told The second person I told was my best friend at the time. Um, her response was just to go have an abortion. And so I didn't tell anybody for about six months. Um, so I spent the summer of my, senior, or my junior year in isolation, in a relationship with a guy I shouldn't have been in. Um, but the end of the summer, my mom made me break up with him because she just saw signs. And yeah, so I think a month after that, I was forced to tell my mom I was pregnant. And it's just an example of God's grace. My mom was devastated, but never let me see it. Um, she loved me. I was scared, and she was there. Um, I've had seen, I've had the opportunity to see God protect me over and over again. Um, with so many, He spoke, put so many different people into my life to speak truth over me. He gave me an amazing church back in California to just love me, which is exactly what Embrace Grace is all about. We get to come alongside these women and love them. Uh, when they're scared, they're alone. They have sometimes nobody else. So, um, ah, sorry. <laughs> um, we serve a God who takes away shame of our youth and our mistakes to glorify him. This is not a story of me. This is a story of God and how he has redeemed me through his people, which is the church. Um, and so I get to share a little story about Embrace Grace that we had um, a girl here for her baby shower. And she was just opening her gifts. I was sitting with her while she was opening her gifts, making her open them quicker. <laughs> and she um, just was in awe and asked, why do all of these people who don't know who I am giving me all these gifts? And we were able to just say, because they serve a God who loves them, loves you, and that makes them love you. Um, so just thank you, Usway. Thank you for loving these girls, and thank you for showing them God's grace. And Kim's next. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to cry either, but... <laughs> um. I, um, I was adopted as a child, and my birth mom had requested that I be placed in a Christian home, and um, by the grace of God, I was. And so I think from that perspective, not only do I see the difficulties that an unplanned pregnancy creates, but I also um, have the vantage point of understanding the blessings that can come from that. And so when Becky started talking about Embrace Grace, I wanted in. Um, and the more I learned about the organization of Embrace Grace, um, the more I fell in love with it. They, uh, they say they're, they're a pro-life organization, but they're not just pro-life. They are pro-love. And I think, how can anybody argue with that, um, that statement and that action that we're called to? So um, I'm probably a little different than older, we know, than most of the girls there. And I kind of... <laughs> took the grandma position um, in the group, and I just was blown away by the, the ministry that occurred and the people that God brought together in this team and how everybody used their stories and their gifts and their amazing abilities to not just pour in to the girls, but also into one another. And, and then to see the body at Westway just really come alongside and blow us away with your generosity and um, your care and concern for, for the ministry and for the girls. And so I just want to say thank you. Um, it, was, it was just a great experience, and I felt very fortunate to get to be a part of it. As the semester kind of drew to a close, I just felt like, well, this can't end. <laughs> and um, I maybe voiced that sentiment. And so Becky was like, well, there is a next step through Embrace Grace. And so um, just a lot of time in prayer, and um, Kaya and I are actually going to kind of branch off from the 
current Embrace Grace group. Um, it's the same format, so we'll still meet on Wednesday night. We'll still have a meal with the Embrace Grace girls. But then kind of the heart of Embrace Life is, is just really coming alongside those single moms, um, encouraging them, serving them, bringing them hope, um, and just showing them the love and grace of Jesus. But we get to do that for a longer period of time. And some of the um, content or the lessons are more um, practical, maybe just healthy boundaries and um, healthy relationships, time management, budgeting, and so, um, and lots of holding babies. Because <laughs> the girls who were in the Embrace Grace last semester will join us in Embrace Life, and then um, it's kind of a two-semester program, not con- doesn't have to be consecutive. So then the goal is hopefully next semester, the, the new blooms that start this coming um, group will then come into the Embrace Life. And so it's just kind of a cycle of more time where we get to really encourage them and walk alongside them and pour into them as their faith grows. So, um, Thanks, Kim. You're a good speaker. You, you undersold yourself. Um, so I'm just going to tell you one quick story. Um, Michaela is one of the women who went through Embrace Grace in the fall. I just want to read you a little excerpt of a text message that she sent me, or we, we text back and forth. She said, God is doing exactly what we prayed for, sending us more women who need him. I want to help in any way I can. I'm young, but I'm smart. I'd love to come and help and meet the new blooms. It will be amazing to watch the work from your side. I will always be praying for you guys. And so you just see this inner transformation. I'm so excited for you guys to get to meet them. Um, Both Michaela and Echo and their new babies are here today. Um, So make sure you say hello to them. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing a couple songs in response. Lord Jesus, it is all because of you. You have modeled it for us, and then you fill us with your Holy Spirit and move us toward these women, and you bring them to us. And so we just praise you, and we thank you for what you are doing through this church body, and we are thrilled that we get to participate. Thank you, Lord. Amen. But now I'm over here. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and invite the men to go ahead and take the offering while I'm talking. That's fine. Then you guys can sit down. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a visual thank you note. We're going to show you some pictures for what we did in the fall. Um, And then our spring semester for Embrace Grace will kick off on February 12th. Uh, And so there are many places for you to serve in this ministry. Um, I've worked really hard in our break time to kind of know how to ask you for help. And so just as you are watching, you know, kind of what we did in the fall, I'd like you to prayerfully consider how you can, how you might want to get involved. Um, one of the things that John asked me to consider was how, how do, does Embrace Grace communicate the reality that people are made in God's image? And I think one of the a great story is we do little things and we do big things. And one of the small dignities that, um, that happened this semester, and I had nothing to do with it, but I had John Mulholland III, the college-sized John, um, he came and he wanted to do his mentored ministry with me for school. And, you know, he's like has been overseas, has experience as a missionary. He's a great Bible teacher. He's in my small group too. So I know John and I know what he's capable of. And what I asked him to do was serve food, clean up, and organize paper plates. So I'm sure that was probably not what he wanted to hear, but the enthusiasm that he brought to that role is exactly what I am looking for in Embrace Grace. And I didn't even know that until he did it. Um, He texted me and said, let's use real dishes. Let's let them have the dignity of a meal around the table and have, um, you know, food on ceramic plates that they don't have to wash and it's not just throw away. So that was one of the small, small dignities. And really, um, I mean, I wouldn't say that we abused John, but he really became like a willing waiter for our group. And so every single week he was in that room clearing dishes, um, just showing the girls that they mattered. And I think that they saw Jesus in him in a way that they were not quite ready to see on the the pages of their Bible. So that was a small way that we um, 
that we honored them. And then there were some really big, fun, exciting things that you guys got to be a part of as well. And so the first thing that we did was, um, it's, it's just a big special day that we throw for the girls. So in addition to the Wednesday night meetings where we just hang out and talk and um, are there for each other, then we do this big celebration day. And the first part of it is called Princess Day. And so the girls come in the morning um, and they get to have a makeover. So we had people, you can see Megan and Maddie Hall that used to, that grew up in this congregation. They came and did hair and makeup. Um, and we have some special ministry time during that time. And the girls get to dress up and they get their pictures taken. And they, um, they just ha- we had so much fun with that. And then after they were all dressed and beautiful, when we were right over here in the fireside room and uh, John 3 actually organized a bunch of men from Westway who came and did a short devotion. And then they, we got to kind of walk through this parade through the church and they held signs um, just about what things that we wanted to honor the girls with worth. So some of the signs said reconciled. Some of the signs said masterpiece. It was just whatever the men felt led um, to communicate to their sisters in Christ during that time. And that was so special. Um, So we got to walk through this parade. And what I want you to see with some of these pictures is Embrace Grace is, is technically women's ministry, but it is not limited to women ministering to women. Um, They really need these men Um, And they need to know that God calls men to a high standard and that they are their brothers and their fathers and their uncles in Christ. And just to have some of those men that'll come and say, you're worth it to us because Jesus loves you. So that was really special. And that would be a really great way for men to get involved. Um, It's about an hour or so commitment. And I think they had a lot of fun doing it too. Um, And then after we walked through that parade, we went to room 107 uh, where Jenny Barrett and Kim Kim Meininger put together this incredible table for us. Um, They set china and just these beautiful goblets and they served us a three course meal and they served us really like a restaurant. So that was really a special way. And that's called, we, we tell the girls that they get to have a meal at the king's table because they are daughters of the king. And so um, we eat our meal together. And then the final thing that we do as part of that meal um, is that we crown them as daughters of the king. So everybody gets, um, the girls get a tiara. And we just spoke some words about their identity in Christ over them, the way that the Lord sees them, and um, just how precious they are and that they are really a part of a royal priesthood and they are daughters of God. And then we go to the baby shower. So the girls get to wear their crown into the baby shower. And a lot of you participated in that. Um, A lot of you were fighting over gifts, I think, in the back when we put the sign up. So I thank you so much for for that generosity. you know, one, I belong to a Facebook group for Embrace Grace leaders, and one of the biggest prayer requests that they always put out is, I'm just worried that all of our gifts are not going to get purchased. Um, and, I mean, I was not worried about that at all because it just happened while I was looking the other way. So thank you, Westway, for purchasing those gifts. Um, and then the shower itself, it was so beautiful. And I was just thrilled that I had um, Megan Davidson from my small group really took ownership and took the lead on that. Um, she's, I am not good at decorations and event planning, so I was so happy to delegate that. And we're kind of, you know, at leading up to the shower, she's texting me, should I buy this, should I buy that? And I'm trying to be conscious of the budget, and I'm saying, do we really need to do that? And she texted me and said, um, if it seems over the top, that's exactly what I'm going for. I want these girls to have a huge fuss made over them, and I want it to be extremely special for them. And then when Gabby and I walked into the room after she had set everything up, Gabby said, well, this is what happens when you let people use their gifts. And so it was just this really amazing commitment um, and just ownership and, and really serving those girls from her gifts in a place of love in her heart. And she just told me she'd do it again for the spring, so. Um, so uh, the fruit of this ministry you can see on the screen These two women that we have had the privilege of serving, I am so happy to call my friends. They are overcomers. They are strengthened and provided for by God. They face their fears in childbirth. Um, They're facing their fears daily, as we all are, in parenting um, and other difficult life circumstances. They have learned to pray to their God. They have watched him come through again and again and again. Um, And they're hungry for community, so I'm so excited for the Embrace Life team that's going to take the lead on that. Um, They're asking questions about their Bible, and they are empowered by God to lead their families. 
Um, and so I just want to tell you how wonderful they are, but I want you to come up and find out for yourself and know them because they are incredible people. Um, and so what's next is spring semester. Kim and Kaya um, are going to do the Embrace Life. That um, leaves Gabby, myself, and Dee Miller. Um, we're going to lead Embrace Grace, and we have five girls signed up right now. So, I mean, yeah, praise God. And if you would have talked to me a couple weeks ago, I would have told you all the reasons why I'm not, I am freaking out about that. Um, but here's why I'm not freaking out, because of this church body. And God has perfectly positioned us yet again to do something that we cannot do alone. And so I am so excited to see how he fills people in this room with his spirit and how he pours through them um, to meet the needs that are going to come with these five girls. Um, but we do need more volunteers. And so one of the things that I want you to do um, to know is that this is not for the faint of heart and it's not for the half committed. Um, we've really learned and my team has blown me away with how committed they are and how much they love these girls. Um, but we really need you to come and serve with your whole heart and demonstrate that zealous love of Christ to these girls. And he stayed when he was tired. He healed when he was busy. He fed crowds that he had no money for and he loved people that nobody else would. And you get to be like him when you come and join our team. Um, the last thing that the girls need is for you to have an emotional reaction today and tell me you're going to be excited and then realize that you're actually really too busy. So please consider and count the cost. It is time consuming, but there are so many ways and smaller ways that you can be involved. Um, and so I have a document. It will be on the Westway app and probably on the Westway website within the week. Um, but there's three paper copies if you're not a technology user, if you just want to look those over. And there's a table in the foyer today where the snowflake lights are. Um, there's pictures from our fall semester. There are, um, there's a meal sign-up sheet. If you would like to bring a meal on a Wednesday night, you can sign up today. Um, and then I just want you to be praying about opportunities to serve and, and be looking for those different ways that you can serve. If that's something that's on your heart, um, please come to a volunteer meeting and we'll talk about, you know, kind of the, the different details. That's going to be January 29th in the fireside room from 7 to 8, and that's a Wednesday night. So um, I hope you can come. Um, the last thing that I just want to talk about really quickly, um, if you thought the beginning, if you give your, your $5 if you're new, if you take your card to the to the Welcome Center and they'll give $5, we have a new ministry popped up right there and it's Options Pregnancy Center of Western Nebraska. This is just in the very baby phases of getting started. Um, and just kind of be aware of it, know that it's coming to our community, and I really hope that we can do a fundraiser for them here in the spring pretty soon. But thank you so much. I'm going to invite Kim up to pray for us with us. I'm going to kind of put us out on a branch or two this morning in our prayer time. So um, first, I'm going to read from a scripture out of the message translation, which is not our <laughs> go-to. But when you hear this verse in this, in this translation, you'll understand why it speaks to us so much um, as it relates to embrace grace. So Mark 11, it's kind of after Jesus curses the fig tree. And then they come back by that fig tree the following day, and Peter's like, Rabbi, look at that tree you cursed. It's a withered stick. And this is his reply. Jesus was matter-of-fact. Embrace this God life. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, <laughs> say go jump in a lake, and it's as good as done. <laughs> That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large, including everything, as you embrace this God life. <clears throat> and you will get God's everything. So in thinking about that verse and what we've talked about today with Embrace Grace and Embrace Life and how we find our worth in, in God and how he sees us, um, I'm going to push us a little further into a little out of our comfort zone, and ask that we pray today Haiti-style, I call it. So when we go to Haiti, my 
My job tends to be night shift in the recovery room, and I love it for lots of reasons, but my favorite thing is I get to be there when the church ladies bring dinner. And um, they're from the church that's across the street from the mission, but not necessarily affiliated. They don't know these people, and they don't know their circumstances or or really what they've had done. Um, And they come in and sing, and then they just each go to a different patient and begin to pray. And they stand by their bedside and start to pray. And, of course, it's in Creole, so I don't really know what's being said. Um, And a lot of times then the family start to pray, and sometimes the patients start to pray. And it took me a little while, and I had to ask my interpreter, um, are they, like, saying the same prayer in, like, a round? (laughs) I'm pretty sure he thought, why are you on a mission trip if you don't know how to pray? But (laughs) I was not what I was familiar with. So he said, no, they're just praying their own prayers. And I said, out loud? all at the same time. And he, yeah, that's how you pray. So um, I just fell in love with that, not not knowing their words, but seeing their heart and their compassion for these people. Um, And I think it made me think about maybe when we pray all together, it's silent. And sometimes I'm not focused on the prayer. Maybe that's just me, but maybe that's, there's not as much prayer as we think Um, Sometimes when we're praying out loud, I worry about the words and the eloquency, or I'm focused on if I remember the details of someone's request. Um, And when other people pray out loud, sometimes I'm so impressed by their eloquency, and I'm not focused on who we're praying to. And so um, I think that's more the heart of what the Haiti prayer shows, because... I'm in this tiny room, there's 20 people praying, and I can't pick out a voice. And I realize we're praying to a God who not only hears the prayer, knows the voice, understands the circumstances, and addresses every issue in one way or another that's being lifted up to him. And it's not just that room in that, on that island, it's every room, every church, every home, every school, every hospital bed, every jail cell, in every country in the world, he hears those prayers, that same ability, that God. And so instead of all of that kind of decreasing my desire to pray because of my insignificance, it really emboldens me to pray because of his magnificence. He hears us and he wants us to come to him with everything. And so um, we are going to try today to everybody out loud your own prayer at the same time and we have all kind of covered some things that we've liked to ask prayer for Um, and then this is in your bulletin and it's just some more um, verses and scriptures that really uh, give us an idea of those things that we want covered in prayer and I'm gonna um, also sneak in a little side here and we do since we're doing it Haiti style we do leave Friday for Haiti Um, And we're going to be the first team to go back in after almost a year because of the unrest. And so we just pray for um, protection for us, protection for the Haitians as they try to get to the mission to get uh, the medical services. And so um, that we just be good stewards and that we um, love and serve and encourage them and care for them well. So, And obviously anything else that is laid on your heart to pray, we we will do. And all God's people said, amen. As Becky said, the, um, we're going to ask um, Michaela and Echo to, to be up front with their, with their babies. So we'd love for you to get to know them. Um, and I'm just going to read this. I, I saw this, something on uh, social media last week from, a, from an Anglican pastor um, in England. And I thought it was incredibly appropriate for today. And I will say that when I shared it with Becky and Shane last week, I did not make it um, all the way through um, without crying like a little schoolgirl. So um, so I'm just going to read this. So a young guy with flaming red hair, nail polish, tattoos all over his face, and dressed in pajama bottoms, walked into the middle of our 8 a.m. service. He stayed for coffee hour and asked to stay for the 10 a.m. service, too. He shouted, Amen, and wept throughout the service. When it was time for the renewal of baptismal vows, I asked him to help me with the asperges. He carried the water which I sprinkled on the congregation. 
He stayed for the second coffee hour and chatted up a number of parishioners. He's staying in a cube van, which he prefers to shelters. He doesn't like to stay in one place too long. James and I went and bought him a sleeping bag, warm socks, and a warmer hat and gloves. The thing I'm so proud of is how the congregation welcomed him without making him feel like a project. Parishioners who, a year ago, would have shifted uncomfortably in their pews, helped him follow the service, and simply patted his arm supportedly when he wept. They introduced themselves at coffee hour and introduced him to others. I was so proud of the woman who visibly steeled herself against her fear, walked over, shook hands, and asked if she could get him cake. She said, tell me about those tattoos. What do they all mean? He pulled out his phone and asked if he could play her his favorite rap song. She patiently listened, smiling, and when he went to leave, he asked if he could give her a hug. Without hesitating, she hugged him and gave him a kiss on his forehead. As she left, she said, I invited him home for dinner with us, but he said no. Then she slipped slipped some money into my hand and said, make sure he eats and get him some decent gloves. Thank you for what you've done for him, I said. She paused and said, funny thing is, I feel like he's given more to me. Is that strange? No, I said, that is gospel. See, this is what happens when we treat every person that we come into contact with as though they were made in God's image. When we show them honor and dignity and respect and love them and get to know them. If you're wondering what kind of church Westway is, if this is your first time here today, like this is the kind of church we want to be. The kind of church that sees people in the midst of their best and in the midst of their worst and loves them as though they were made in God's image because they were. 